Hi everyone, this is Andrew Davies from Inside Scientific, the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Expert Answers. Today we are joined by Fawn Wu and Lidor Spivak. Fawn is VP of Product Development at Diagnostic Biochips, and Lidor is a PhD student in the Sagal School of Neuroscience at Tel Aviv University. They recently presented their work towards automating electrophysiological data analysis using artificial intelligence and introduced a new cloud-based platform applying these methods. Let's dive in. Here's a great question to, to start things off, and you touched on it there towards the end, Fawn, but I think I know what the answer is, but can DB Cloud support analysis using high channel count MEA data? I'm guessing multi-electrode array. Right, uh, it's, it's a, actually a very common question that we get asked all the time. Yes, the, the, the short answer is yes. We Our platform is agnostic to the type of electrode that you want to use. And this extends beyond MEA to other type of in vivo electrodes. You know, I mentioned NeuroPixel, but any of our you know competitor probes with the right data type type format, you can we can support running on cloud. Okay, fantastic. Another great question here. I think this one is more for you, Lidor, but what are the features? You mentioned some features that the AI is using for classification. What are the features that the AI classifier uses for training and predicting? And again, similar, is it agnostic to the type of spike sorter used? Okay, so first of all, the features are based on the mean waveform and standard deviation, and also the autocorrelogram and cross-correlogram between, uh, between units, or for the noise classifier, it's just the autocorrelogram. This is like the simple uh, answer, but the, there are a little bit more tweaking for the features, but I don't think it's uh, necessary uh, to detail all of them right now. And for the second question, this is something that we are, we are not sure yet. So right now, the algorithm was trained on a specific data set, which we train on just cluster quick. But I, but I think that if we would have enough data set from KiloSort or any other kind of algorithms, we can train a new model that will that I that I believe that will work better and will be agnostic to any kind of sorting algorithm. Okay, fantastic. This is a great question. Despite the recent growth of automatic spike sorting tools, many of which you discussed here today, a great proportion of researchers still do it manually. Why do you think that's the case? That's a great question. Let me start on this and maybe Lido will fill in from the perspective of an actual neuroscientist. So from our point of view, we interact with very diverse set of end users and each user does spike sorting a little bit differently. Their recording has different challenges, different animal species, different noise level. So there's all sorts of different pre-processing done differently to your data sets. And also, I think a, a big challenge in spike sorting is that there's almost no ground truth. So it's very hard to evaluate the quality of spike sorting. So, so then if someone proposes a general universal approach, it is very hard to then validate and implement it for your own use. So in our view, you know, DB Cloud is, can be a great solution to tackle this very challenging problem. As Lidl said, you can either train your own AI algorithm to tailor towards your own specific setup. And the goal is to have the AI perform as good as your own 
experimenter so that you can rely on this automated process to save your curation time. And the other is to create this universal one solution for all AI model for everything. But maybe Lido will speak on the how realistic that is. And yeah, this is the answer. Like if I think most of the sorting when they are designed, most of the spike sorting algorithm when they are designed, they are designed to to be universal, to sort all kinds of data sets. And I think this is like really hard. And also, the, as Fan mentioned, there is no ground truth. So uh, usually using synthetic data to evaluate the performance. And the idea is to try to make, uh, and the idea, the other sorter is to make a sorter which, which will work as good as the ground truth. We're proposing something a bit different. We are proposing something to mimic the uh, curation process of the person. If the person is not experienced and the algorithm will train an unexperienced person, so the uh, curation will mimic this person, but probably this solution will not be that good. But on the other end, if uh, if we have someone experienced uh, which labeled the data and we can use this uh, high experience labeled data, we can train a really good algorithm to mimic this uh, mimic this process. So I think this is uh, two different approaches. One is uh, to make a universal sorter, which will sort any kind of data set. And my approach is to mimic the manual curation. And I think if we have enough data, this is a question that I'm not sure about it, but as thing looks like now that the advancement also in AI, if we have enough data and we can use a really good uh, an AI model, so maybe we can make a model that will be able to mimic, uh, to, to be able to handle all kinds of data sets. Okay, excellent. Uh, great answers. Uh, a great question as well. Thank you for that. This is, I think, a simple sort of methodological question. Can the automated curator split units in addition to merging units? Okay, so in principle, in principle, everything that the human can do, so we can try to make an algorithm to do so. Right now, this implementation, the algorithm does not is not able to split units, only uh, to merge or decide whether a unit is a noise unit or a neuronal unit. Just for simplicity, because those two things are a binary decision, it's a binary classification, uh, whether it's a noise or neuronal, or whether to merge or not merge. But I think it, uh, we can try also to work on uh, splitting units, which is not a binary. You need to decide how to split or, or where to split them. So it's something uh, which is a bit more complicated, but it's, uh, but it's doable. If we have enough data, which labeled by a human, so we can train an algorithm on this data, and I think we can also achieve that. Okay, excellent. There's a question here about the types of data files that can be analyzed using DB Cloud. For example, can you upload neuroshared data? Yeah, I think this is similar to the first question regarding how compatible our platform is across different uh, electrical type and data formats. So as it stands, we currently are agnostic to electrode, but the data format is supported is the very flat binary format support, uh, used by uh, Intent and OpenEFIS. But if you have any other data formats, we can certainly discuss and support it. It's not a technic. A technical barrier to to do that. We just don't want to host too much options on our platform. So one of the goals here is to standardize uh, EFIS pipeline. So there's a trade-off between how how many format we support versus standardization. Okay. Yeah. Great. That's a great point. This is a a, a great question here in terms of specific applications. Can the spike sorter AI keep track of what happens to a specific cluster uh, of spikes before and after a treatment, for example? So could it be done by linking amplitude and timing? 
And basically, if the researcher wanted to answer the question of whether a cell has decreased or increased their firing rate due to treatment, is that, is that something that's doable? Yeah, I think it's it's doable, but I'm not. This is a this is a okay. <laughs> so it took me time I think, to understand the question. I think it's uh, the question is if I understand correctly, it's not related to the AI sorter that I presented. Maybe it's a different application of AI. And I think in general the question is if there is if human doing it uh, manually. So I think uh, we can train a model to do this kind of task. Right now at the, the stage like. AI is really advanced and really hard stuff, uh, like, I don't know, maybe like driving or writing complex text, but even this kind of stuff AI can do. So I think uh, this kind of linking firing rate or amplitude over time, if there is data uh, which was labeled by humans, so we can train an algorithm uh, to do that as well. And I guess the, the answer, too, is if, you have a, if anyone has a specific application in mind, reach yeah. out to you. And- <laughs> And you're happy to discuss it as well, right? I just want to add, add to that. Like, let's say you have a data, you have uh, some experiments where you typically see cells that drift. And maybe through manual curation, you have a technique to identify this drift and you want to merge them. And perhaps the AI can pick up on your technique in identifying these drifting cells. So maybe without specifically tracing, you know, the the amplitude change or timing or of the cell, the AI can give you the solution, which is to actually decide whether these clusters belong to, to one cell or multiple. Yeah, so, so yeah, definitely in our lab, we use opto- optogenetic stimulation and usually to increase firing rate in, in cells. And yeah, the algorithm uh, works really good on uh, merging units, even though there is a changing in firing due to optogenetic stimulation or any kind of uh, behavioral change or something like that. Okay, perfect. Quick question here. Can we get the software as a standalone product? Yes, definitely. Okay. There are several options for subscribing to the service. You can certainly get the software as a standalone product. For example, uh, if you use other type of electrodes, or we offer this hardware software package package for uh, any DBC-related probe. So please contact our salesperson using the link provided uh, under handouts, and we will reach out to you with a more specific answer. Okay, great. There's a uh, great question here about, can you talk about how you would prevent overfitting? Yeah, there is danger of that, and I think the answer is a huge amount of data. There is a danger of overfitting, and I think in our lab, we, we had manual curation for a few years, so we had a huge amount of data. This amount of data, I think, helped us to prevent overfitting. And yeah, I hope that uh, with the DBC Cloud, we'll, we, can, we will be able to get much more data and work on overfitting. Uh, okay, excellent. Uh, this is a really nice question here. Someone writes in that they've, they've got interest, uh, you know, the, the challenge is finding software that can help them overcome their lack of expertise and that they've done uh, many MEA recordings, but they stopped because they didn't have confidence in their ability to, to sort the spikes accurately. And, you know, it's, it can be a challenge to find outside experts or time of those experts to train in the spike sorting. So if they, if for groups that maybe don't have their own personal knowledge or expertise with the manual spike sorting, can the platform fill that gap? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. This is the exact problem we're aiming to solve. 
especially you know towards less experienced users and also with MEA there's a ton of channels so I imagine spike sorting is a daunting task so we do provide the platform as it is it's pretty easy to use so you can I encourage users to experiment with it, but we do provide support, one-on-one support to walk you through your research. And if you have any need, either through cloud or, yeah, we can we can provide all sorts of technical support. Okay. Um, so I want to add. So I want to add just uh, one more thing. As I mentioned in our lab, we use the automated curation as a recommendation, as a give to give us recommendation. New students that came to the lab uh, also learned from that a lot. So. There's nothing that can replace an expert that uh, sitting beside you and explain everything. But even with uh, with an expert, using this recommendation can help uh, someone with no experience to understand the logic. So the algorithm gives some recommendation, and then the user can understand based on the recommendation uh, what is the logic behind the uh, sorting process. So I think the combination of a bit, uh, of using a, a bit advice from experts. But then uh, using the recommendation could be a great combination. Okay, fantastic. Almost out of time, but I think we can squeeze in a couple more questions uh, quickly. One is, can the sorter handle multi-session data and identify units that appear on several recordings? I'll chime in here, um, but Lido should maybe speak from his experience. But in, in our case, some customers are okay with merging different sessions into a single file and run spike sorting that way. But in other cases where I think different sessions are always treated as independent data sets, you cannot guarantee one unit found yesterday can be confidently associated with the same neuron found today. So there are, there are two different data sets completely isolated. Yeah, I agree with Fan. In our lab, we... We use the second approach. We treat each day, each session as a different session, each day as a different session. Yeah, that go with them right now. Don't track uh, units over uh, over different uh, days. Okay, Fawn, you mentioned about the application of the probe and, and software technologies to preclinical drug screening. Can you just talk a bit about what that plan actually looks like? Yeah, so we have talked to many pharma and CROs, and we learned that there is a, there's a huge need in a preclinical drug screening process because there's a very high failure rate going from that to uh, clinical trials. And if, if you can minimize that failure rate, you can save a ton of money and time in drug development pipeline. And I think one of the issues with the current preclinical model is that, uh, first of all, your model needs to be validated. But also, uh, right now, the typical approach is either doing single cell analysis with you know, things like patch clamping or a macro scale, like using behavioral models to look at something that's maybe not directly related to the underlying disease mechanism. So we believe it's important to use electrophysiology to probe the uh, specific neural circuit that's underlying or is correlated with uh, uh, disease. So if we can identify such electrophysiology biomarker in that specific circuit, then we can look at animals in healthy disease and states where uh, drug dose drug is dosed. So that's our vision. And also combining with AI, I think uh, we may be able to quickly detect these biomarkers, either known or novel. So if you're interested in working along these lines, highly encourage you to reach out to us and we can see how we can develop a project together.
We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune in to future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.